Yeah, let's do it. I'm pumped. Let's let the healing begin. God help you if you use voiceover in your work, my friends. God help you. It's flaccid, sloppy writing. I don't want you to be the guy in the PG-13 movie. Everyone's really hoping makes it happen. I want you to be like the guy in the rated R movie, you know? The guy you're not sure whether or not you like yet. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. I am Chapin Hemingway, joined by Jeremy. Say hello, Jeremy. Hello, Jeremy. And Lee Carlos. Say hello, Lee. Hello, Lee. Oh, making the same joke. Lame. Uh, today, we are going to be discussing the new film in theaters, Booksmart, starring, um, gosh, I don't even know who, uh, who, what their names are. Caitlin Dever and Beanie Feldstein. Feldstein. Feldstein or Feldstein? We were discussing Feldstein. Feldstein. Um, and then we're going to wrap it all up with our top five female friendships in films. so much in one night are we gonna go to school or nope. i don't think we are no nope, we're just gonna stay here okay boys so i have a quick i was trying to think of a question for this film and i struggled a little bit but um what i wanted to ask you guys is this uh you know this is a film about high school and i think it's like very much about the generation below us, which I don't even know the name of. I think they're unnamed at the moment, but they're not millennials. They're younger than millennials. Um, so this is a little bit, a little. We're, we're a little bit. We're pretty far removed from high school at this point. But um, not Speak only that, yourself. it's it's sort of a different generation. I think these, you know, a lot of times these generational names have like really no importance, but I think they're really the function they do have is to kind of have these vague separations between, um, you know, generations. And I, I, I'm, so I guess I'm wondering guys, like what, what do you get out of a film like this? Looking back at high school, there's been a couple in the last couple of years, um, <clears throat> that have come out and had, have gotten some, you know, good press. We, we looked at, I guess, I guess, um, Eighth grade was was a little bit sort of preemptive to high school, but also um, Lady Bird, for example. Um, but like it, being so sort of removed, kind of from this generation, um, and so I assume we don't quite relate to them as much as say you know high school movies made around the time we were that age. So what do these movies mean to you guys now? Like what? How do they function? I don't think it's much different than the movies that were made either before us during our time or after us uh i to me they're all foreign to be to be honest like uh, like when we watched american pie i wasn't like oh yeah it's so relatable like it none of it was like animal house i was like oh that's crazy i mean i do feel like it's a little bit i i, I did make a note that like the older i get 
I, I wonder where all the adults are. I start wondering where the adults are in every every one of these. Um, right. But I don't think it's any. It, it's more fantasy. It's more sort of striving for something that is never really been there um, than anything that's sort of generational. Personally. <laughs> Sure. I guess, I guess what I mean is maybe to be a little more specific here that when the sort of cultural tropes that we relate to in movies that might've been made in our back a little closer to our generation may not be in this film, although maybe they may, oh, but there are some like sort of cinematic touchstones that are sort of true throughout all of these, as you said, Jeremy, but like, you know, the plot point of overhearing something in the like, um, you know, all all gender bathroom like i mean i didn't even know that i right. leaned over to my friend and i was like is that a real thing i didn't even know that that was the case anymore or that that, that was actually a real that you know girls and boys share bathrooms in high school i didn't know that that was a thing and so i don't know there there just seems to be such a divide i think between what it was like when we were in high school to high school now and i mean maybe every old person says that <laughs> but um Young and hot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you asked this, Javen, because I think it's an important way for us to start this podcast off. Um, and you brought up kind of our relatability to, you know, this uh, high school class of two na- 2019 that's being portrayed in this movie and how we are the high school classes of uh, 2000. Some 2000s. Two thin- the 2000s. Just 2000s. <laughs> 2000s. The, um, both, all, all 30s. But, uh, you know, I think there's a little bit of that um, and maybe a disconnect there, uh, but also the other piece that I think is important to discuss and almost maybe add a disclaimer to is the fact that we're, we are men and this is a movie about girls and women. And Jeremy and I both saw this with our wives and uh, I don't know if uh, how much you talked to Sarah about it, Jeremy, but Lydia, you know, pointed out <clears throat> some things that she found very relatable about this movie and a lot of connections that she was had it the with lesbian it, scene? specifically the well I imagined so but she yeah. was I'm sure saying something else as I was thinking about that um, but uh, <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> um, no she I, she she pointed out that this movie might have been perhaps elevated for her because she uh, you know found some similarities to the arguments and the conversations and the crushes and a lot of the things that went on among these characters in this movie. And I, and I think it's important to point out the fact that, you know, perhaps this movie isn't 100% targeted to us, but you know, and I don't want to get too much into my thoughts on the movie yet, but I actually don't really think any of that mattered here, whether it's the relatability to this generation of high schoolers or whether it's a relatability to, uh, uh, girls in high school. I think there's a lot of things that we can talk about this movie that actually have nothing to do with that. Um, I just sort of think that that was the the setting. That was the you know the backdrop of all of. Well, this. I'm curious what these not what, what the that list of things are, Lee, that we can uh, talk about because the, to, and the reason I say that is to separate this movie from its content as far as the stars of it, the director of it, and all that is is a difficult task um, because that's a huge part of what this movie is. And to you separate so? it, and yeah, I do, and and to separate it and just to say that we let's not talk about that and let's try to just uh, dissect this as a movie is kind of missing the point of the whole. 
uh, creative process for those who made it, I think. Well, here's what I'll say is that, you know, inevitably um, this movie has gotten a lot of comparisons to Superbad. um, Yes. Which you could say is the our version of this movie and i think people have a tendency or or feel like they have an obligation to shy away from that description which i don't think is really a good thing i think it's actually good that this movie was made that this is the female version of super bad and that you know we had super bad and but i don't whether or not it was relatable or what like that doesn't matter like we we found a connection with that movie and those characters that we liked and now there's something perhaps like that for you know, for women. And so I think that that's a good thing. But again, I'll go back to the same thing. Like that, you know, that doesn't really matter because when it all comes down to it, I think this movie is actually really not very good. (laughs) I think it was pretty poorly made. And I have a list of examples of, you know, I, I, first I was calling them flaws, but now I'm starting to think in it, maybe there's a distinction. I think they were mistakes and we do have a rookie director here in Olivia Wilde. And I think she made a ton of mistakes uh, across the board that really made this just not a very good movie. Wow. Uh, okay. I mean, that's fair, but what... So, I mean, I have a, my list of mistakes she made, um, but I still enjoyed the movie. I still thought it accomplished what it was trying to accomplish. Uh, I would not call it a bad movie at all. Um, I would call it uh, a jo- enjoyable movie where that was like over stylized and got away from itself a little bit. But I mean, so did Superbad at some point. What do you think, Chapin? I mean, I really, really like the movie. Um, is that what you're asking? Well, yeah. I mean, that kind of that. <laughs> now we all uh, have staked our ground, I suppose. I mean, let me just. I mean, uh, look, look. I will, I will, I will say this: that I, I was sort of, I had this experience where, <laughs> I, I mean, just to like we've talked about how, especially with Inherent Vice, you know, I was, uh, you know, somewhat inebriated for that film, like the the four times I tried watching it, <laughs> and it, I had a problem with it. And the same, you know, I had a couple of beers before I saw this film. And I was like, is this the beer? You know, is this the alcohol? Like, is this why I'm having so much fun? But um, I was just sort of amazed while watching it, like how much how much I was enjoying it. And um, and I was like, you know, what's going on? This is this, you know, I'm not really supposed to enjoy a movie like this so much, but I really did. Um, but I will say that, like, you know, I woke up this morning and, uh, you know, I often I told you guys I often walk home after these things. And I, you know, was listening to the soundtrack on the way home and. Then I woke up the next morning and I was like, had kind of forgotten about it. That isn't to say the film is forgettable, but it's, you know, it's not like a movie that kind of was haunting me. You know, it was a little bit superficial in the sense that, you know, I, 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 it was a great time, but I didn't find myself, you know, reflecting on it the next day. Right. I mean, why would you? That would be weird. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to figure out where to kind of start here. I mean, I guess I could give you guys kind of the, the bullet points and you can maybe, help me stem off from there but the biggest issues i had uh one has has to do with the exposition in this movie um another one is the climax of the movie another one is the music the use of music and then finally uh the her comedy and where she misses uh in some of the comedy okay well let's start dissecting some of those yeah so where do you want to start i mean exposition i mean for me 
that you know that sort of is an overarching relatively broad term um but there's a lot of instances where she just comes out and explains everything that we've just seen or explains things that we don't really need an explanation for and the the most egregious um instance of of you know an expository scene was trying to explain the depth of the character of sorry I should be better prepared uh the girl that Gigi that Billy Lord plays yeah who sort of just shows up everywhere and it's this sort of running gag throughout the movie and I'll come back to that in terms of the when I get to the my issues with the comedy but this running gag throughout but really is ultimately a relatively pointless character and then um they try to describe or or develop her a little bit with this kind of cheap throwaway scene from that character of Jared when he says like oh she's the most loyal person I've ever ever yeah. known she stabbed the mailman or something and I'm like this is just you're just explaining something that either doesn't need explanation or you're explaining it because you weren't able to you know um, iron it out or showcase it in a better way throughout the movie I would say that that, that scene I think I like their argument um, but after sort of almost exactly after the argument, the film kind of became quite conventional, you know, where it was very unconventional leading up to that. And you had that mm-hmm. great scene of um, Caitlin Deaver or whatever her name, however you say her name, you know, swimming around and coming to the realization that the the two people they were interested in, um, you know, at the party were hooking up and that one of them was, in fact, not a lesbian. Um, and uh, I thought that was handled really, really well. Like I was thinking about, you know, I wonder if in the script was that written just like she moving around the party and noticing it, you know, like the fa- setting it right. in the pool I think was really smart. But then you've got their sort of argument, which was played out in a wonder, which I really liked. And then it just kind of got sort of, you know, predictable from that point on. Like there's that moment happens in every one of these movies, right, where they the two friends have a falling out and, yeah. you know, they separate and then – um, I hated the argument scene. It might have been my least favorite scene in the movie. Well, can I... Okay, all right, so can I jump in here? Yeah. Um, jump on for, First of all, like, what I really liked about this movie up to the argument scene was the relationship between the two women, between Amy and Molly. Um, it felt genuine and... Because it felt genuine, the the jokes worked well, just as in super bad. That's like what works about that movie. That's what works about this movie. Yeah, you feel like you're sort of inside, right? Right. You understand them really quickly. You understand how they relate to each other really quickly. And you understand how those they they play off of each other. Um, I didn't like how quickly they the relationship went sour it sour it seemed um a bit too conventional at that point i agree with lee on that 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 scene um seemed to kind of you knew it was coming you were waiting for it to come because everything had gone so well up to that point so you're like okay here it comes we know that something's gonna turn um and then that scene sort of seemed to to happen way too quickly and yes they made a stylistic uh, decision to have it all in this sort of wonder but you could kind of tell that they decided afterwards in the editing suite to like fade it out and and then yeah. slowly go away from it because they didn't know how to end it and it seemed too long at that point 
Um, and that's where a lot of the the direction I had issue with certain direction where it felt like sort of a music video or a commercial or something like that because it was so over stylized within uh, small scenes like that uh, because there's like if you have an argument that that's that critical to the movie you can't just go back and forth and then decide oh I'm gonna fade out of it because I don't know where to end this and and move to something else but that's such a that's small beans compared to the whole movie in which the relationship between those two women was the most important thing and that worked throughout it despite Despite all the the craziness or the weirdness or the unrelatability to it, it didn't matter because that was the linchpin for this film, and that is what worked. And you could say the literally the same thing about Superbad because there are points of Superbad where they're driving around with cops, firing guns, where it's just sort of like craziness out there that it doesn't matter like but it doesn't matter because the relationship between michael Sarah and jonah hill uh and mclovin is is sort of so genuine and not, you you get it that nothing else matters around that you can get as crazy as you want as long as you have an anchor and this movie had an anchor between those those uh two women so i liked those two also and i liked their relationship also but I, I dismissed the idea that like this argument was secondary or not as important because of those. This was the the turning point no, of the I movie. I mean, I didn't like it either, and I knew it was. I knew something like that was coming, and I knew they were going to have to reverse it very quickly. And I thought you, that was silly. You know, you you compare this this to Superbad, of course, and but where, what Superbad does better is it 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 allows its audience in on on some things before the characters do. And this movie doesn't do that. So in that argument scene, first of all, they're arguing over all these things that we haven't seen developed among their relationship to this point, which was annoying. Like it, it made it feel so unearned and and just out of nowhere. But the the most pivotal part of that argument is this bomb that Amy drops about how, spoiler alert, she's going to Africa for a year. This is the first time we hear it. Of course, it's the first time that Molly hears it too, and she's taken is it? back I by thought it. She, yeah. I thought no, we knew about that before with the tampons. We don't. Tampons. We never hear it from anything. And, and so, no, no but, she was going to go. She just wasn't going to go for she was going to go yeah, for the summer. Yeah, she was going to go for a semester or the summer. Uh, and then she says, oh, I'm not going for a semester. I'm going for the, for the year. And this is revealed in a way like we're supposed to dro- drop our jaws. This has no impact on us. This means nothing to me how long she's going. It means a lot to Molly. So that's important for her to find out. But there needed to be something earlier in the movie like there is in Superbad. When what was the argument in Superbad? That they weren't the, going to the same college? They weren't going or? to the same college. But they Michael knew Right no, Michael Sarah talks to McLovin about it earlier in the movie, and he says, how come you haven't told him yet? Because he hasn't told Seth. He hasn't told Jonah Hill. He doesn't know, and then they argue about it later. So whether or not you know that mm-hmm. argument is earned or whether or not it matters because we like these characters, it, that is secondary in that case. But here we have a conflict between these characters that's been stewing in Superbad that isn't in book smart and that makes that that argument at the end so unearned and then you mentioned it turning the sound off and playing the music like she does for the whole fucking movie which drove me nuts shut the damn music off like it that was a terrible choice and yeah, i just lee, think lee was, in the theater yelled turn it down no there were just too many mistakes like that i just thought like this is this seems like this seems amateur to me and i guess it is to a certain extent 
And look, I like these characters too. I but, didn't find this movie unwatchable by any means. It was enjoyable, but I, I also just think it was poorly made. But you have to give credit to the, the their acting in that relationship and the writing for that. Just because Olivia Wilde decided to go a little wild with her direction. Oh, good Jot that bit. down. Um, that doesn't she... take away from from those aspects of it. I liked I liked her direction. I thought it was really good, and I didn't even mind the music. Why? Well, I, I don't. I mean, and that's non-stop. weird for me. Nonstop. Yeah, but that's that's what like that's what like life as a teenager is like in a way. I mean, look, I get no, it. what like, life I, is like. That then pull, I'll point to eighth grade for that, where they use it sort of like a mix of diegetic and non diegetically. Like that's no, that's but, how you use, do that. I understand that. Olivia Wilde, meet Bo Burnham. Uh, I mean, you joke, but like eighth grade was was a better film. Yeah, but they and the, but the music piece, like you're saying, Chapin is is trying to portray this lifestyle of this generation, and that yeah, but and it does it so effectively in that movie. Yes, but but they first of all, they're like five years older. And okay, but, they've discovered there's music and there's sex and there's fashion and there's a whole lifestyle and culture that you don't have when you enter eighth grade. I mean, I think also, look, I, I, I don't think it's fair to compare those two movies. It's like one is so much funnier than the other. One is not supposed to be quite that funny. Um, but it, I don't know. I didn't have a problem with the music at all. I, I enjoyed it. Again, like, I, like to me, this was a little bit of a fever dream. I was sort of so swept up in it. I, I feel like this might be a case of the black swan where if I go back and watch it again, I might not like it as much, but, um, any movie with lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> he always you, likes you, them you the first think, time. You think would be the opposite. Um, yeah. it, but you know, I, I, I just, I thought like there's something like when I was when I was walking home I was like feeling the same that same feeling like I would t- sort of took me back like I, like I said in my original question to you guys that that feeling you get when you are you are finished with high school you've got like you've 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 accomplished something you know you've got you, but you you've got this like like weight lifted from your shoulders where you're sort of, especially if you've gone to, you know, a a college prep school like these kids have and like you guys did and like I did where you're off to college, you, you know, your life is sort of figured out for you. There's this summer where you, you, you don't have, there's not a lot of like, you know, you can kind of discover yourself in a way and be, you know, be, um, I don't know, kind of, become an adult over the summer how did keep how did you discover yourself that summer <laughs> i don't Exploring know asia explore, explore myself um but i i guess look i mean maybe you guys maybe you don't relate but to me that was a very relatable thing that you you are in this point in your life and i'm not saying it's just exactly like the day after graduation or the day before graduation i you know i'm sort of vaguely referencing this time in your life when you are finished with one you know it's a it's a time of matriculation like you finished something and you're moving on to something else and it's that gap between you know one life going into another that is kind of exciting and scary and but also uh one that's very fun at least it was for me um and so to me that that's what all that was about the music the sort of the hypnotic kind of um you know, and then there's some like drug culture in there as well, though I admire that they didn't go too far with that. Um, but that sort of that freedom you have, that that sense of 
you know, having your life in front of you. I think that they captured that really nicely. I don't want it to sound like I, I hated this movie. I just, cause I enjoyed a lot of the things that you guys are talking about. And I, and I, and like I said, I sort of admire that this movie was made and I think that it's, it, it deserves some credit for kind of tackling some issues that are important and doing it in a very lighthearted way. But I just found some of these things so obvious and, and, for me, like, you know, where I think you can, you know, either latch on to these characters or find connections with X, Y, or Z, and that's what takes you through the movie, that I guess I didn't enough to look past these things. And, like, I also had issues with the comedy in this movie where I thought there were so many missed opportunities for this to be, like, a, you know, transcendent comedy that God, it was so... Some of it was so clever. Like, can you give an example? Yeah, the there's two examples I wrote down. One I sort of mentioned already the uh, the Gigi character that pops up everywhere. Yeah, like yeah. good running gag. We've seen it a lot, but good running running gag. But this movie is insistent on acknowledging it every single time, and that sort of takes away from the inside joke that we have as an audience. Let her walk past in the background once, like let her just kind of be there. But instead, there's a there she pops up in front of the main characters, and we have to have a conversation about it every single time. And I just felt like that wasn't a real good example of, of, you know, utilizing that for comedic purposes. And then another one was towards the end, minor spoiler alert, uh, at the police station when they see the wanted poster for the pizza guy. Just walk by that. Let us see that subtly. That's funny. We, we hear that whole speech from the pizza guy earlier in the movie about the dangers of getting in a car. And then we see that poster just in the background perfect that's funny right. but instead it's this far-fetched stupid plot point that they try to mix in with it that was just dumb and i was like that's taking a joke that you have and yeah, she, taking it too far and it was, i agree on that one because she they could have bailed her out no problem right that's what i mean what did she do yeah first of all they didn't need that first like so, first of all you wouldn't be able to trade that like that doesn't work but also why would what did she do that would that they couldn't just post bail like so that 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 plot point in general was dumb, but also it, it was a missed opportunity for some good laughs. And I just when I saw that poster there in the background, they linger. They even moved the camera in on it a little bit more than I would have liked to. Just let us see that in the background. Let us see that the second time we watch it. You know what I mean? Like that's that's a good layered joke. Uh, but instead, they just kind of you know it's it's over directed or it's overwritten. And I just think those things were so obvious throughout this entire movie for me. And I and I'm surprised. I'm not surprised that you guys liked this movie. I'm surprised these things didn't bother you more. No, I'm kind of in between you guys, and, and well, I think. I think it, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, like, what I kind of missed from it were the more were the moments, like moments that like you you had that joke or that experience or that time where you just were like. Oh yeah, that that's super relatable, and not. Well, that's because we're men, and that's what Lydia talked about. That well, she had and not. Well, uh, well, okay, so fair enough. But also, wait, 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 wait. wait. I feel what, what like there mean? were. What do you mean? Say that because again. Because this is this is about this is about women or girls in high school graduating high school. The conversations and the arguments and the crushes and the the things that happen in this movie. That like Jeremy, the scene that you know, I I. I 
feel like you're thinking of as super bad is when they're lying down in the backyard saying, I love my best friend Evan. Like those scenes for (laughs) some reason work for us and there's a connection for those scenes for us. But here you're missing that. You don't see that in Booksmart. And I think that maybe women will see that. And that's fine. That there's this movie might not be a hundred percent targeted to us. I, I disagree. I don't think they were hard to relate to at all. Okay. So if anything, I think like this if we've is learned the, anything, then Shapin is a woman. No, I just mean like this is a more look. Like I think in Superbad they learned their lesson. You know, like maybe it, it, things aren't quite as trite as going out and looking for to get laid on your last. You know, the the, the last day after school. But these these girls are they have a better mission. Like I think they are. It's more about their own identity. I mean, I guess the this, this, this super bad comparison works really nicely as well. But also, like you know, the um, the Caitlin. What's what was her character's name? Caitlin Deaver's character. Um, Amy. Amy. She, like I found her arc to be so much, like to be so much more layered than even. Um, uh, Molly's like Molly was interested in the hot guy and it didn't work out like I mean you know we've seen that you know since time in memoriam but but like hers was and it wasn't just because she was a lesbian but it was also it was because like she had you know just it wasn't as experienced sexually and like and and she um you know or like the way that she kind of had a crush and then it worked out with someone else. I mean, I don't know. I really, I felt that that was handled from a stylistic point of view very well. I, I, and I think what, what maybe we can fill a little bit of our time with, cause we're doing pretty good on time with is, uh, sort of transitioning a little bit, unless you guys have anything else to say is that like just the phenomenon of, of, I think of what you're, what you just pointed out, Lee, like the nitpicking, you know, like I think we, we often like, getting into situations where one of us or two of us are very nitpicky about a film and then the other is quite enamored with it and lets those other things go. And I think that's interesting how that, how that works. No, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, I think there's a whole number of things that can do that and it can be a relationship, a character, a, I mean, we've talked about it before. It can be, it could be a song, you know, <laughs> we, we tried to, well, we, I think, we to I talk think about in that these movies, Star is Born. It's it's a joke, right? I mean, like, isn't that the whole point between like this and long shot? Like, it's it's the jokes ultimately. I mean, we're we're not stupid. We're going into this as you know for the comedy. We know what it is. Um, there's definitely another layer to that when we watch it because we're like trying to we're we're not only trying to laugh, but we're trying to feel something and understand something and have a cinematic experience, but. Ultimately, we know it's for the last, and I think, I think, like I laughed more at uh, Longshot than Booksmart, but I still enjoyed Booksmart to an extent. So, you know, my ultimate view becomes right, you know, slightly in the the middle, and then we can talk about all these peripheral things as well. But I think a lot of it has to do with how well it sets up its own jokes. But. <clears throat> yeah. And I also think to that point that comedy is also of all the kind of emotional arcs to pursue comedy. is It's not the easiest to sort of execute, but once you are, once you've got comedy, once you've got funny down, you, you've, you're, you've really got your audience, you know, especially in a theater setting. Like I was in a small theater filled with people 
cackling and laughing. And it was just like, I think that really contributed to my experience, you know, like, um, most of the time I want to murder everybody around me in a movie theater, even in movies that I really enjoy and I'm into. But in this one, I was so grateful to have them there, um, and be a part of this collective experience. And it clearly made me think this movie was maybe a little bit better than it actually was. But I think that's so interesting. And I think it with comedy, like, you know, it's, it's different when you, when you and 50 other people are all laughing at the same thing, as opposed to like sitting there uncomfortably, um, you know, when like when you're the only one that laughed at the Orson Welles joke, <laughs> <Superman>. <laughs> right. right? That one, no or, affirmation whatsoever. But I guess I meant more like in a dramatic setting. Like you're not like you aren't. I mean, you I guess there's cues, a way of yeah. collectively gasping. But you know, for the right. most part, you are having that dramatic experience. You know, almost on your own. You know, it's not a. Uh, it's not something you guys are. You you are conscious of other people in the movie theater reacting because you're not. You're not. La- it, people aren't laughing out loud. They aren't expressing themselves outwardly during the film. It's so it, it feels like less of an experience. And I think, you know, comedy isn't easy. But once you've crossed that line, it's so much easier to have this like collective kind of experience. At least that's how I felt. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I, I I like your point that like, you know, we see a lot on the podcast where there's where two of us, you know, highlight all these issues with with the movie and what's wrong with it, and then and then one of us, I think it's oddly usually me, is the one that's like, yeah, I I liked it, <laughs> um, but that to me, like, I still am having a hard time with the acclaim that this movie is getting, like I. Because you guys, at least, I mean, I guess Chapin, you to a lesser extent, but like, you're cognizant of these issues. Like, and even if you have a good time at the movie, like, if you're judging it uh, responsibly, you know, it's not it's not a universal acclaim movie on on Metacritic. It's got an 84. I, I had a relatively controversial take, which it's, I guess. <laughs> I, I probably won't say now that you guys feel differently. No, come um, on, say it. No, no, because it you guys your feelings about the movie are, are sort of contrary to this I, idea of why this why I think this movie is getting so much acclaim. So I because wanna, it's two women. A little bit. I mean, look, like you know, this movie's getting it has an eighty four on Metacritic, and I looked this up about eighty percent of the critics who are giving this movie universal acclaim are men. And that doesn't have anything to do with like the gender disparity among critics, but rather just to point out that the, the large majority of the critics watching this are watching with a similar perspective as me. And like, they don't have necessarily that relatability factor or that connection. And, th- and that's something that maybe you guys are, are, are kind of putting a wrench in because you did seem to have that even as men watching it. But I kind of was, you know, assuming that all they're judging this movie on is whether or not the pieces are in place. And I just found it so obvious that they're not. And they're too obvious to ignore and, like, to grade this movie as high as it's being graded, you know, with all that in mind tells me that, you know, in this sort of overcompensating industry that the movie in critical industry is, you know, they felt like they needed to reward this movie because it deals with female-driven themes and female characters and you know, maybe a female director. Like, I just, I hate to say that, that, but that's sort of what my thought process was. Well, expectations are a huge part of it, too. And going into this movie, my expectations were almost essentially met. It's not that, right? you know, if, if this was 
a Cameron, even a Cameron Crowe movie, for example, who I know hasn't done anything great lately. But if you had two uh, young adults starring in a Cameron Crowe movie about leaving high school, my expectations would be through the roof of something different than what I got. But my expectations were essentially what I had in Booksmart. And there are definitely problems I had with it, which we talked about. Um, but the jokes landed, a lot of the jokes landed, and the, and the dynamic between the two main characters worked for me. So what else can I ask for after that? Like everything you brought up, Lee, is true. Like it definitely, it definitely is true. But if I, I feel like if we were to go through and dissect Superbad or even maybe in Swingers like that, we would find those problems as well. Uh, maybe not to this extent, but there would be issues. So I don't know. And maybe I'm doing the same thing. Maybe I'm giving it more credit than it deserves. But yeah, see, to me, it doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't come down to it being. I, I I didn't find it to be hard to relate to because it because it's women or I don't I, I don't I mean to me like I'm not I don't feel a, a inclination to give it a better review I mean I'm almost giving this in you know in spite of the fact that there I'm almost surprised that I was re- able to relate to it I, I but I think the bringing up swingers is an important point like you know like that's a film where if we showed it to i don't know one of our friends maybe to one of your wives if they haven't seen it. i mean i'm sure they have and they understand the importance of it but like showing to somebody who you know really has no perspective on what like what that the importance of that film of swingers like they might just say like what is the big deal here like what why do yeah. you guys like this movie so much and that's not to say that it doesn't have a, a a universal appeal and we just like it because it's you know we like it for some you know esoteric reason i don't think that's it it's just that we have an affection for it because it strikes a certain nerve and i think you know it's <laughs> I, that is always the film i go to when i'm like you know sometimes you just like movies because they kind of appeal to you in a certain way. Like they just, they sort of just, it's, it's like a, like a song in a way you, you, you just like, it reminds you of a place or a feeling or, uh, you know, something that, you know, it may not be the best narrative and it may not be saying that much. It might not have all the things that we often discuss on this film, but it just, it has, it just is important to you for a reason that isn't, isn't always easily definable in cinematic terms. Right. Exactly, yeah. and that's exactly what I'm saying as far as what this movie was to yeah. me, because I can't relate to it as well as maybe a Swingers or a Superbad, but I understand where it's coming from. Yeah, and look, I, like this movie has... I think this movie does have things to latch on to. Like, the, like these two lead actresses are a lot of fun to watch together, and they're both really good, and you know they're both very likable. Um, and then, like I said, despite the fact that, you know, this movie makes some, you know, bold decisions in terms of the script and goes some places that are perhaps dark in terms of, you know, a high schooler and where those high schoolers are going in the story, it's a relatively light movie. So all of those things are, are, are likable about it and easy to latch onto. And I can see being pieces that allow you to overlook the, the problems with it. But... It's. I also didn't find those things new. 
or, you know, better than any other movie of its kind, you know, to warrant such such good grades. So I was like, okay, what is the difference here? What's What makes this movie different than others? And I sort of fell on this idea that it's, you know, it's the quote-unquote female version of Superbad, which, like I said, I like that, that it's that. I, I have no hesitation in calling it that. I don't think we should shy away from that. But, you know, I just felt like maybe our, our people just, you know, overcompensating. But it's, I guess what's interesting to me about what you're saying, Lee, is that, like, y- you... You know the 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 nitpicking things, the, the 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 little things that add up for you, both in this film and other films. You know they 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 matter until they don't, right? Like if you're caught up in the movie, like it seems Jeremy and I were. Like I mean, I didn't notice any of those things that you that you were bringing up, and that's not to say that, that they weren't there. But I think like you know like like we we use the example of swingers, like we, you know we show that to. Sarah or Lydia or I mean Katie is probably the best example because I don't think she's seen it and she says like why what what was the why point would of that anyone movie? like yeah that? it's such a it's such a sort of like non right. and movie and it's like okay well yeah because or or I mean there's I'm sure there's better examples like like uh, that film Sunshine for example it just it has so many plot holes and problems that I can totally understand would trip people up and. But I just enjoy the experience of watching that movie so much that I it, it just I, they don't phase me. And I think you know that movie is a little different because I've had time to process it, and it's you know twelve or thirteen years old at this point. So the, the the problems are a little more glaring, and I am more in touch with my feelings about how I feel with it. But in a movie like Booksmart, where I'll probably only see it once or maybe twice, you know, it's it's interesting to see how those nitpicky things really sort of dissolve because of how into the film I was. See, I guess for me, I didn't find these to be nitpicky things. I I thought that they were a bit more important than that. Like, I just felt like, you know, really pivotal plot points and pivotal characters weren't done well enough to make this a good movie when all is said and done. And, you know, I should say it's it's an enjoyable movie, but it's not a particularly good one. And I and I think that's because these things are are not just little nitpicky things. I probably described them in a little bit of a nitpicky way because I sort of went through them bullet point by bullet point. But you know, huge pivotal scenes like the argument at the end was done poorly, and you know, characters that we saw throughout that ended up having no impact on how these characters change uh, were is big. And I just think they were bigger issues and this is supposed to be a comedy and I mentioned how they missed on comedy issues and so I guess I agree with everything you guys are saying and I am always I feel like I'm always the one that likes the movie because I connected to something and you know I I looked past maybe the flaws in it in this case I'm on the opposite side of it but I just think to me these things are so obvious and bother me all right well to wrap this up Lee most sexist me Right in the middle, Chapin Lee Sexist. Yeah. Hey, buddy. Hey. How you doing? I'm Look good. I feel I'm so much more relaxed. Thank you, Helen. I just feel like I'm excited and I feel relaxed and I'm ready to party with the best of them. And I'm gonna go down to the river. <laughs> Wow, it looks like somebody's really relaxing now. 
Yeah, wow. What are you guys talking about up here? We are, um... We're going to a restaurant tonight. I know the owner, yeah. so it's just you coming. Do? Oh, Helen is the Okay. Let's um let's go take a nap. What do you say? Um, with us reviewing Booksmart this week, we decided to do our top five female friendships. Um, and given the discussion we just had, <laughs> I think this is going to be a top, <laughs> top five to assemble. Well, yeah, my, num- so my I'm number not five is, is the swingers. movie making history. <laughs> the history of movie making is sexist because I'm amazed at how few female friendships there are in comparison to male friendships in movies yeah it's interesting then, i was trying to i was trying to think of like an the ones older that i movie. watch <laughs> an older movie with like a good female friendship like like you can't think of them yeah there's nothing like pre-1970 yeah or i mean that i could find okay so i didn't have much criteria <laughs> Um, but uh, had to be women. Yeah, it had to be women. Uh, God, I don't have any replacements either. Jeez. Yeah, I don't have Um, a lot to work. I don't have a lot in the bullpen. (laughs) Okay, so why don't I kick us off? uh, Because I have kind of a funny one for number five. Um, uh, My number five is a film that I actually saw with your wife, Lee. Um, Oh shit! And that film is the Sex in the City movie. I wonder why I didn't go. Yeah, I wonder why, because you've you know, refused. It's actually about time that we got to this, because it's it's important that everybody knows that Chapin has always been a fan of this show. Yeah, I like that and show. Back, even all the way back at 16 Dudley, Jeremy and I may have walked in on him a time or two watching Sex in the City. And we're like, oh, gross, put porn on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, story? Yeah. I'm not. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I I like the show. I've seen. I think I've seen every episode of the show. I feel like, um, and I, I saw the movie. Like. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw the movie with your wife. And I and I I remember getting very angry at someone in the parking lot of the movie because I feel like I had to like show my testosterone <laughs> to <laughs> show her that I was. I also still pretty a man. sure you made a, a hole in the bottom of the popcorn bucket joke to her. Uh probably. I hope you did. I mean, that's a missed <laughs> opportunity. <laughs> So yeah, um, I I I mean this is the ultimate. Of course, it's a show, but I chose the movie because you know it's a movie. But the ultimate like of girls having friends. Stop clicking that pen. Um, and that was a knife. A knife, Jesus. Um, and and I just you know I I I have fun. I have fun watching friends in general, women or men. And so it's nice to see them getting together and and seeing their relationships. That's my number five. Okay, uh, I'll go next. My number five is a movie that you guys have heard me talk about before. I really like this movie a lot. Uh, these two ladies are um, they're friends despite the fact that they don't really want to be, and then they do eventually become lovers. Um, Agnes and Enos in Show Me Love, Lucas Moodyson's Show Me Love, played by Alexander Dahlstrom and Rebecca Liljeberg. Is that the movie that's like called Fuck Whatever, but it's Fucking called... Fucking Amal. Yeah. 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 Yep. Wait, so are they friends or are they lovers? So they're sort of like... So the, the story of Agnes cheating? is like... No, no, no. Agnes is... Or Enos is like the cool girl, and Agnes is sort of the loser, and they sort of like have a connection and get along and sort of become 
I guess, like, sort of secretly friends because Enos shouldn't be caught hanging around with Agnes. Uh, and then in the back of a cab, they make out and become lesbians. Where does this take place? Scandinavia? Or, it's in Sweden. It, the town is called Emal. Emal, Sweden. Right, of course. Oh, that's nice. I, I've seen that porn. Nice one, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. My next movie stars <laughs> Sasha Gray. <laughs> All right, uh... For my number five is a movie we actually uh, reviewed on this podcast. A uh, little bit of a trick. It is uh, Tully. It's uh, oh, that's Char- a great pick. Charlie Theron and uh, Mackenzie Davis. Mackenzie Davis plays Tully. Uh, both fixie friends, nominees. Both fixie nominees who, uh, let's just say, needed each other at that point in life, and um, it well, was a friend. It was <laughs> a good didn't friendship. Really need her. True. Good point. But yeah, the friendship, nonetheless, was important. So that's my number five. That's a great pick. Jabin, do you have any more? Uh, oh, is it my turn again? Yep. Okay. It's only um, three of us. There is true. It is. There is this film um, called The Sweetest Thing. Have you heard of this film? Yeah, with... Uh, Cameron Diaz. Yeah. And um, uh, Christina Applegate. Correct. I thought about is, that one. That is their friendship that I'm adding to this one. And that this movie, like, I will, again, what, this it, it's funny that it's on the Booksmart podcast because it is a female-driven film that I really enjoyed and thought was hilarious. Um, and it, it's, it was sort of in that posts something about Mary kind of gross out comedies, but it was a female version of it. Um, there's one scene where... Um, uh, Selma Blair gets a guy's co- cock stuck in her mouth because <laughs> he's wearing a um, Prince Albert, you know, penis piercing. Um, and, uh, you know, so there's this just gives you paints a picture. I'm just this is why I'm telling you that you painting a really vivid picture. Yeah, yeah painting a vivid picture of that. Um, and uh, so it, it's worth seeing. I mean, it's probably not. It's probably got a 32 on Metacritic. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Ugh, maybe maybe I need to revisit this. But listen, um, look, I I remember very little about this movie, but I remember like I laugh like spitting my drink out, laughing so hard at this scene when they are Christina Applegate and Cameron Diaz are <laughs> are driving and they drop uh, yeah. something, and so Christina Applegate has to like bend over the front driver's seat to like reach it. And so it looks like she's she's down going down on Cameron Diaz and this guy on a motorcycle like comes up and starts like humping his motorcycle and he's like, Come on, all right. Yeah. And then he falls off and he's like cheering in the background. Oh my god. I was laughing so hard at that. Well, there you go, guys. So the sweetest thing. Excellent <laughs> pick. <laughs> uh. All right. My number four, another uh female driven comedy um and this was a movie that disappointed uh sort of kind of just based on my expectations um but it's it's the uh it's a trio of friends in bridesmaids um most specifically of course annie played by Kristen wig maya rudolph as lillian but then the mo- very important edition of rose burns helen in this movie um i think is what makes it and in particular the scene when Kristen Wiig and, and Rose Byrne are kind of competing with each other at the bridal shower with their speeches. Uh, and then they start singing to one-up each other, which is a really funny scene. 
Um, so while probably the three of them aren't the best of friends, I think that yeah. that trio was was fantastic. That's why I didn't put it on the list. I just felt like they didn't really like each other in that movie. Well, we well, didn't say the, female friendships. We didn't say female best friends. Well, no, 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 no. Um, what the, the Mrs. PTA and uh, what's her name? They they are like best friends. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Mrs. PTA and and uh, Kristen Wiig. Yeah, they're that that they're on my list. They are best friends. What's wrong with that? Okay. But I just added Rose Byrne in there because I think that. But she it was, was the funny. enemy. Kind but of. she, but yeah, but she was technically also best friends with Mrs. Paul Thomas Anderson, so that they could also be friends. Wow, we gave we gave her the man's name. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's only because I. Uh, I'm not even gonna try to. I like Maya, Maya Rudolph. Maya Rudolph. Not that hard to say. All right, uh, my number four is um, Clueless, a movie I haven't Stealing seen in a, uh, quite a while, but uh, it's going to be Alicia Silverstone, who plays Cher, the, the Brittany Murphy, who plays Ty, and Stacey Dash, who plays Dion. It's going to be their relationship in this. Yeah. I've never <laughs> seen that movie. Oh, it's okay. actually pretty good. It has I've, a uh, heard. a young Paul Rudd who looks yeah. the same a young as an old 50 Paul year Rudd. old Paul Rudd. Yeah, <laughs> fucking bastard. It's actually seventy five in the movie. Yeah. Oh, right, okay, my number three, just to steal it from y'all, is uh, Miss Thelma and Louise in the film Thelma and Louise. Okay. Ridley um, Scott joint. Ridley Scott directed. That may that may show up again. So can I just can I just say something real quick? So the last few picks uh, we've talked on our on our female friendships, somewhat female driven podcast here. We've talked about um, Mrs. Paul Thomas Anderson. We've Mm. talked about Paul Rudd and Clueless, and we've talked about (laughs) director Ridley Scott, (laughs) Thelma and Louise. Yeah, but you're the one who needs to be making up for not liking this movie, so it's not right. me. I've already proven, as you, as Jeremy said, <laughs> that I'm the least sexist here. All right. Uh, my number three, um, never would have really expected good performances from these two, but I think they're both great in this movie that stars Tom Hanks in the lead. <laughs> <laughs> Madonna and Rosie O'Donnell as May and Doris in League of Their Own. Oh, uh, yeah. That's May be something I've thought of. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is it my turn? Nope, it's Jeremy's. Oh, Jeremy. Uh, my number three is also Thelma and Louise, uh, directed by Sir Ridley Scott. <laughs> <laughs> such a great director. We, let's take a minute and talk uh, about him as a director. Retrospective. Yeah. No, we got to do the competition, the Ridley I mean, versus to be, Tony. To be honest, I keep, like... It's been so long since I've seen that movie. Like, how good is Brad Pitt in that movie? That's what I mean. Like, I remember Brad Pitt. <laughs> I remember them jumping off a cliff with the car. Spoiler. I, I think it makes me gayer that I remember Brad Pitt as much as I do. <laughs> he was I, he was shirtless, he was shirtless. in his underwear. Yep. Yep. He was holding up like a dry. Uh, he had a cowboy hat on. Yep. 
He had I remember all the that apps. Too. Yeah. I mean, it's my desktop background, but. I mean, I gotta be honest with you. He's way too skinny for me in that particular scene. In that scene, he was. Well, skinny he's for very thin. He's very thin. Very thin. Oh, I thought he looked really good. Yeah, I thought he looked fine. Okay. Leave him well. alone. Yeah, poor guy. <laughs> um, okay, my number is it? We had twos. Number two. Um, is another Beanie Feldstein joint, and that's Ladybird with Shersha uh, uh, Ronan. I got to see that. That's it's it's one I I regret having not seen. I mean, it's what's interesting is it's it's kind of the like realistic version of Booksmart. Like if you were to tone down Booksmart a little bit, you'd get their friendship. Um, right. And mixed it, with a little Juno in it, though. Like that was my. That was kind of my issue with Ladybird. What do you mean? What's like, Juno about it? What, what do you it mean? has like the way they talk, like the way Ladybird talks in that movie. Like it doesn't isn't authentic. Like it that that was, and that was my issue. Like I thought about this pick too, but I I I had very little recollection of this friendship because so much of what I left from this movie with was the character of Ladybird, and both and that's both good and bad. Like, but what sort of bothered me was sort of this like inauthentic way that she talked which is the same thing that bothered me about juno well she's just uh, i mean she's just sophisticated or snobby or whatever well, i don't kind of it's not I a bad know. pick i just... no, i'm not i'm not trying to defend it i just think it's interesting that like i don't know i don't know why what what's bothering you about these movies movies it's just it's interesting the women <laughs> <laughs> okay um my number two is Nikki Reed and Evan Rachel Wood as Evie and Tracy in 13. Oh, that's a great a movie. Line. That fucking came up on a podcast or a top five a few weeks ago, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I'll, I know. have nothing to do with this pick, FBI. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I love that they were 13 in it. Uh, um, yeah. Like, yeah, I remember. I forget where this came up and why we were talking about it, but it's such an underrated movie. Is Edward Norton in that? No. Nope. Oh, thinking, <laughs> thinking a different movie. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, who's up next? You are number two. All right, it is a league of their own. Yeah. I'm gonna go with Gina Davis's. And Laurie Petty's characters. They're the sisters. sisters. You can't, you can't, that doesn't work. <laughs> Why not? They, they were sisters and they didn't like each other. I'm going to go with the other two then. The whole team. I'm okay. going to go with the whole team. Go with that. Yeah, there you go. Whose top five suggestion was this? Kick yourself <laughs> in the balls, whoever that was. <laughs> Look, I, I, all right. I suggested this top five, but then earlier today, as I was doing my research, I said, hey guys, you having any issues with this top five? You know, suggesting maybe let's think of something else. And Jeremy was like, don't know yet. And then like four hours later, about an hour before we started the podcast, Chapin said, what's our top five? Yeah, that so, was just a joke. To, to right. make a, yeah. But, you know, just to defend my choice here. Okay. Um, so my number one was going to be Bridesmaids, but I found a replacement that's not going to stand up for a top five, but it one that just came to mind. And I don't know if you guys remember this movie, but it's called Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist with uh, Kat Dennings and Mikhail Sarah. Do you guys remember yeah, that Yeah, I never movie? saw it. And the relationship is between my uh, Kat Dennings and Ari Grainer. 
um, they're all, I, I, as I'm reading the plot to remind myself, she is, Ari Greener is uh, uh, the, sort of the connective tissue between the two friends, um, and between Michael Sarah and Kat Dennings, they, he, they introduce each other. And yeah, I think it's a nice, I, I just remember liking their friendship. Interesting. I never saw this. I think it's worth seeing. It's good. Peter is so so Kat so. Dennings and Michelle Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, All right. Lee. My number one is 100% a cheat, but I'm doing it. So oh, screw boy. you Two men. <laughs> it's Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon in Some Like It Hot. Oh, my As Josephine God. and Daphne, and also Marilyn Monroe as Sugar. Oh, I'm going to lose so many oh listeners after Okay, no, no, no. Look, this is a good pick. This it's is cheating. an unreleasable podcast. This is this is a good pick. <laughs> this should go the way of the Dark Knight Rises podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm cheating for sure, but the the friendship is specifically between Josephine and I think uh, I think actually I think Daphne Jack Lemmon's character is closer to Sugar to Marilyn Monroe Sugar, and they become like really good friends. Um, so. Yeah. This works, even though it's, you know, Jack Lemmon and Tony Curtis playing the characters. Oh, uh, yeah. Not we should, top uh, that. We should have all apologized to our moms. All right. My number one is the First Wives Club. <laughs> and no, I don't remember much of this movie, but I honestly distinctly remember... Uh, their relationship and how much they supported each other and that I really enjoyed that part of the movie. So that's my number one. Another one I haven't seen. Really? Yeah. Well, there you go, ladies. Oh God! Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Get Your Film (laughs) Fix podcast. I'm sure... All the ladies love this one. <laughs> <laughs> this one goes out to you. This one goes out to you. Um, well, so you, before we go, though, did your wives like the movie? Yes. Yes. Good, 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 good. Um, okay. Um, so we'll be back next week. Um, we may release the Wandering Earth podcast next week, so it gives us a little time to see stuff. And, you know, nobody will wa- listen to that one anyway. So uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll see you on the next one. Thanks. I'm staying. I'm finishing my coffee. Enjoying my coffee.